0: your host, Chef AJ. And this is where I introduce you to amazing people who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. And this lady is amazing. I have taken her class and it propelled me to the next level in my business. I also am a private client, but I know so many of you reach out to me because you want to be in business, especially in a plant-based business. Maybe you want to write a book or start a blog or have a YouTube channel or learn Instagram, which believe me, I have no clue how to use yet, but I'm learning it from, from the guest. And I didn't figure this out myself. I'm 60 and I like social media as much as I like going to the dentist. If you know anything about me, you know I don't like going to the dentist. But this extraordinary lady not only understands the ins and outs, but she makes it understandable. And she has helped me so much in my business. And I would like to introduce you to her and her to you and give you an opportunity to study with her with really a fraction of what it would cost to be a private client. Her name is Sarah Benoit and she's amazing and she works at the JB Media Institute and as well as doing other things and please welcome her to the show. Hi Sarah, how you doing? Good, thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I had such fun, you know, I, you guys might not know this, but Sarah and I taught a class together. Really, she taught it. I was more of a guest instructor and so was my <laughs> husband, Charles. He taught a segment on self-publishing and I taught other segments, but Sarah really did the bulk of the course and the, and, you know, the nuts and bolts and the nitty gritty. But I, I, I'm just seeing Sarah for the first time since the class. And I just got this in the mail today. One of the students in our class, Jocelyn Grave, who is the Fast Easy Vegan, just got her book published on Amazon it's absolutely beautiful and she wrote a glowing review for us for our class and for our teaching and so it is possible to to do things like this and you know no I don't think anybody does it alone
1: no not at all I feel like all digital marketing these days you have to be able to talk to other people share ideas watch other people see what they're doing that's what'll keep your creativity alive
0: how did you get into this and why are you so good at it? I remember the session we had where you were helping me with my, my YouTube problems. It's like, <laughs> you're so patient, but you also like understand things and like where the buttons are.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. thanks so much for saying that, AJ. I really appreciate it. I think one of the biggest things that, you know, has made me maybe a better teacher and consultant is that I taught myself everything. So in 2003, I was getting laid off my corporate job Honestly, I was not happy in the corporate world, so I didn't really want to figure out how to get another corporate job, and I had met somebody else who had really inspired me to start a company, and so I just leapt into the digital world, and I think I just have a passion for people, and I love to talk to people, I love to communicate, that was always part of what I was good at, so diving into digital marketing was a way to use all my skills, but I think... The biggest, you know, reason I love teaching and connecting with other people is because I spent hours on the internet figuring it out by myself, and I would really like to save everybody that time. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it, and and unfortunately, you know, the I think that when you grow up on something or when you're a little bit younger, you're more amenable to it. It's sort of like I I knew somebody who came here from Russia, a family that came here from Russia when I was little. We were friendly, and the young kid who was seven took he learned English like in two days. And then the older kids that were in their teens, they still struggle today. And I'm not saying that it's not possible, but it seems like the earlier you grasp onto things, the easier it is. And some of us Oh, geez! some of us older vegans and older people are more resistant to it. But what I want to say to people out there, it seems like it's necessary, whether you like it or not. I interviewed a book publisher on Tuesday, Bob, Bob Hopfazell, who's, who's the vegan book, book publisher, published The Pleasure Trap, one of Dr. McDougall's books, all, a lot of Brenda Davis's books. And unfortunately, even though, you know, he's an old hippie, he said, I can't even look at you if you don't have social media following. It's 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 unfortunate because I know there's a lot of people out there with a lot of great things to say and great ideas and you know I even have a friend who was kind of bumped because no social media following. So it's it is what it is. You know, you you, you don't have to like it, but it really seems that right now, at least in certain fields, I mean, you could be a medical doctor and a lawyer without a, but even they I mean it's like everybody has I mean, I can't believe some of these doctors with their followings on on Twitter and Instagram. It just seems like it almost is a prerequisite today to be successful in many businesses to, to play the game, at least on one, not, not that you have to be on
1: all of them, but on some of them, would you agree? I definitely agree. I feel like at this point, especially if you're forward thinking and you're thinking about the future and what you want to accomplish, and you're also thinking about just reaching out to new markets, You know, if you're really trying to get in front of people who don't know you yet, I feel like social media was a no brainer before, But now in 2020, (laughs) it's kind of something that we have to embrace if we really want to make connections. The one thing I do want to throw in, though, is I do feel like social media is tools So it is okay to figure out what tools you like and use those tools because there's potential across the board. So I often have to tell people, if you really hate Facebook, there's a lot of other options outside of Facebook. If you really don't like Twitter, there's a ton of options outside of Twitter. So you don't have to feel pigeonholed. You can really look at social media as a whole and figure out where you wanna spend your time and where you get most excited.
0: Yeah, but it seems like you gotta do at least one of them, right?
1: I mean, to me, yeah, because it's, uh, again, it was really important before, but in 2020, now that so many people are engaging through digital technology, it's a really good idea. Even if you're not talking about marketing, even if you're just talking about customer service, it's a good idea to have at least one channel that is going to make you accessible to people.
0: So where's this going? Because, you know, there's an old saying, I wish I, I knew now I, what I, what I, or I wish I knew then what I, or something, I forget that. What's the saying? <laughs> I know I what you So, but I always wish I know, now what I'm supposed to know in the future. So in other words, where is social media going? Because at one point there was MySpace, and I don't think anybody's on MySpace anymore. So what's next? Like, how can we be on the next one so that I can actually learn it? So I don't have to hire somebody like you. And will Facebook always be here? Will it always rule? Or will there be something greater and, and better that maybe comes along? I mean, do you anticipate any trends like that?
1: I do. And I think, you know, one caveat we want to make is it's funny if you look at how politicized the whole world has gotten. I do think social media has become politicized. So that'll be interesting to see in the United States, as we go into another election and we, you know, move on to the next phase. Depending on who gets elected, you know, there's a lot of talk about breaking up some of the bigger companies and what that looks like. There's a lot more regulations coming in. So I just want to comment on that first, because I think that's kind of out of our control. (laughs) There's some part of it we can't really predict, because it has a lot to do with who's in power. But I think the things we can predict, you know, one major thing I think everybody should pay attention to, especially if you want to connect with younger folks, is that things like Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp. Snapchat, all of those systems are kind of like one-to-one messaging systems. So again, we're seeing a lot more customer service tools where you can talk to people, answer questions without having to send emails without having to do all that stuff. And I think we're gonna see that grow. I think a lot of people are getting more and more used to talking to businesses and nonprofits and other types of personal brands directly through their social media. So I think that's a big thing we can all pay attention to. I do think we've all seen the blow up of TikTok this year. So I think if you're not embracing video, And really starting to just up your video game and get comfortable with things like what we're doing right now, I think you have to start doing that as well, because I think we can see that video is going to continue this year messenger on Facebook has launched some group features Um, there's you know. TikTok, of course, has exploded over the last few months. And TikTok has expanded to be a lot of older people and younger people now. So there was something interesting about a bunch of younger people getting quarantined with their older parents and grandparents that sort of brought those older markets into TikTok. So I think we're just going to see that style of stuff actually grow with some of the older markets. And I think a lot of people who are older are getting really comfortable with video and connecting in this more sort of personal way. And then I think too, one of the things everybody has to get used to is really being comfortable making your own graphics, not just your own videos, but making your own sort of imagery and really you know, digging into some creativity there because all the systems out there now are just including all sorts of cool tools. So again, TikTok and Instagram are good examples. When you're in TikTok or you're in Instagram stories, especially, You know, I can make flames come out of my eyes. I can put a tiara on my head. I can make butterflies fly around me. Um, I think people are still struggling to figure out how that's work or marketing. They're like, I'm a business person. Why do I need a tiara on my head while I say something? Um, But I think we have to get creative and start really going in that direction. Again, because the people who are 20 now, it's not going to be long before they're 30 and 40. And like you said, they're growing up on this they're used to this kind of interaction. They wanna see more creativity, more fun, more uniqueness put into different stuff. So I think we all have to keep going that direction as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking like, I can't imagine like, you know, Dr. Esselstyn having, you know, <laughs> butterflies or something like that, you know, it, you know, because I feel sometimes guilty being on social media when I'm not on social media. In other words, I use it, but I don't, I don't use it. Like I, other than if I'm watching something educational, like to interview a guest, I'm not on it, so it's kind of weird.
1: Mm. No, it is, I think there's sort of a, sometimes it is a really strange world when you're not interacting there regularly personally. So I definitely have a lot of people who talk to me about how they don't really wanna be on social media personally. They really want to use it from a brand perspective or a business perspective. And then when they're in their personal time, they want to be in their garden. They want to be doing yoga. They want to be playing with their dog or their kids. Like they don't actually want to be sitting on Facebook after work. And I think, you know, that's actually true of a lot of people. So it really comes down to, I think, you know, I often tell students in the beginning, when you first are, you know, testing the waters of something, let's say you're new to Instagram, you're new to Twitter, I'm like, take a month click around, look at things, see what you think about it, read other people's content, you know, and just like get a feel for it before you commit. Because truthfully, again, if it's something that you really don't want to be participating in, um, you want to be clear and say to yourself, okay, this is for work. I'm only going to talk about work. That's what we're mainly going to use it for. I'm not trying to get wrapped up in all sorts of other things. And so this is kind of like a personal boundary setting with social media that we all have to figure out. And everybody's boundaries with social media is different. So I love social media personally. I often refer to myself as an extrovert who scares other extroverts. So I'm a very outgoing person. I love the social world. But then I did a digital detox two weeks ago, turned off all my tech for seven days, didn't look at anything, was away from Wi-Fi. And I had such a beautiful time that I've decided on the weekends, I need to make sure I put my phone away more frequently, you know, so that I have time for other things. So especially when you're promoting yourself, I feel like you have to get really comfortable personally with how you feel about it. Because like I said, it's a tool. You're going to pick it up and use it. You want to be really intentional att- intentional about when you're using it and why. So you don't get dragged into all this other junk that maybe is a waste of your time.
0: Because I almost feel guilty that like I'll, I've done this show every day for since March 20th and sometimes two and three sh- shows a day and people say, have so-and-so on your show, have so-and-so. And it's like, I don't know who they are because I don't really follow anybody and I feel so bad like that maybe I should know who some of these people are, you know?
1: Yeah, but you know, there's lots of, it's so funny. I actually pay attention to a lot of different things they're kind of reporting on what's happening in different industries or with different platforms. So there are actually a lot of ways to keep up with just like the influencers and keep up with what's trending and kind of what people are, are responding to and the behaviors. You could actually use something like social media today, which is a great website that lets you just keep up with the industry without actually having to be in the feed (laughs) so I do think there's a lot of cool resources like that that I use so I'm not just like scrolling through Facebook all the time you know I'll go to the Facebook newsroom and read about what they're doing and some of their news stuff or I'll go to later.com which does a lot of great reporting about Instagram and I'll read about different people that are doing well on Instagram and how they're doing it so you know sometimes you can take yourself out of the feeds where I think there's a lot of noise and you can go just focus on the things that actually are interesting to you and maybe find out more about those people.
0: Yeah. Like Pluto, Um, the dog, like, you know, Pluto, the talking dog, that is what is interesting to me. And that's the one got one channel I follow.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel like there's so much of that stuff now that's being aggregated basically. So like Instagram for business has a whole website, or you can just go watch what's trending. You know, Google has the same thing actually, and Google's not even really social media. But you can go to Think with Google and learn all sorts of things about how people are doing on YouTube, what kind of tools they're using, what's popular, who's popular. Um, you can go to Google Trends and find the same thing. So again, I think there's great ways to like keep up with that stuff without having to bog yourself down in every single news feed that's out there.
0: Yeah, you know. I want to read a comment from Francie Sue. She says, I work in hospitality, and I'm shocked by how many hotels don't take advantage of social media for advertising. It's so powerful, but often underestimated and undervalued. So how does social media help a person brand themselves or their business?
1: Yeah, so first, I just want to say thanks for that comment, because I have I work a lot in tourism, and I've talked to so many hotels Bed and breakfast and other places where I'm like, you guys are not capitalizing on this amazing opportunity you have, because in that kind of world, you know, especially in the world of hotels, people are almost all already automatically reviewing you. They're almost already automatically using your social media as a customer service tool. So a lot of times, you know, think about how many hotels whether they are paying attention or not, people are talking about them on TripAdvisor, which is kind of a unique social media site that a lot of hotels should really be invested in. So, you know, I think in that world anyway, just thanks for calling that out because a lot of them really don't focus on it in a very strategic way. It's kind of more of an afterthought that I think they need to focus on. But when it comes to branding and really putting yourself out there, I mean, I think the biggest thing that social media gives every single one of us is the opportunity, I mean, I'm gonna say it's the opportunity for us to all shine and shine in a way that we feel comfortable. So again, I feel like some people are really great at graphics. Some people are great at video. Some people are great at rehearsing something and then recording themselves and then sharing it with everybody. Some people are like me and like to hop on a live and just talk about stuff. So there's all these different tools and it's about figuring out where you can showcase the strongest parts of who you are, your talent, your skills, your expertise. Um, I feel like most social media gives you a bunch of things to choose from. So you figure out where you're comfortable and you start there. And, you know, I feel like the, the connection that you get from social media is very different than, let's say, if you buy ads in a magazine or you are writing a blog on your website or even email marketing where you're sending something to people's inboxes social media gives you the the opportunity to have conversations where people can start reacting to what you're saying in the moment. And I think that's where it's really unique and special because going back and forth with people, especially for me talking to students on social media is one of my favorite things. It's partially why I have social media. So people can tag me into conversations. They can ask me questions during the day. They can feel like I'm part of their world and you know, I just think that's a really unique opportunity for us as professionals, whether you work for a company, or you're your own business owner, or whatever it is, it's like, you can make those more personal connections. And if we think about it, that's kind of basic sales, right? Basic sales, the reason why salespeople are successful is because they built the relationships. And I think that's where social media can be a really big win for some of us.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Well, hmm, that's, I wish, I wish there
1: was a class that
0: I could take where you could teach me to like it, not just to do it. It's sort of like exercise. You don't, that's what I, or eating vegetables. You don't have to like it. You just have to do it. But you did help me a lot by telling me about different buttons. So now, like you say, I can just go to my one page and I don't have to see anything else anymore. That that has been a huge time saver that I don't see anything other than when I need to go to my page, maybe yeah. that. Well,
1: and I do want to say, AJ, for people like you who are like, I just really can't get into this. I don't want to deal with it. You know, the great thing is if you take a few classes, like the ones that we're going to put together, you know, as a team and share with everybody, I feel like that's what allows you to actually bring somebody on board and really help you. So I feel like a lot of students, they'll take a YouTube class, they'll take Facebook, they'll take Instagram. They might come out at the end of the day saying, this is the one channel I like and everything else, it's not really my thing. But it's like now we know who you should hire to help you is somebody who's got those skills. And if you can get solid around the branding and who you're really trying to represent, uh, you know, who you're trying to be in the world when you're on social media. If you can get clear with that, it's going to be a lot easier for you to communicate it to the person that you hire, um, because they still need that. Even when you delegate, they're supposed to step into social media and represent you. They're basically like becoming you. So, you know, that relationship that you have to your social media manager or the person in charge of it, I feel like has to be like a pretty solid relationship where you're communicating all the time, generating ideas together. But then you can trust that person to go out into the world and speak for you. So I do think, you know, once you get sort of a baseline, there's many people who decide I don't want to (laughs) tweet. I don't want to be on Facebook, but now I know exactly what kind of person I need to help me. They need to have these skills. And now I know exactly how to communicate to them what I want our social media to be about. And, you know, that's a really important piece because a lot of times social media is pretty dry if the person you hire doesn't really get to know you. Right. Right. They don't sound like you. They don't have your sense of humor. They don't understand and have the expertise that you have about the industry. So it's like, you gotta kind of take all that and take it out of your brain and like gift it to that person. Um, And if you build that sort of relationship, you end up having somebody who can manage your social media and they do an amazing job.
0: Well, I I don't think a lot of people realize that some of these well-known plant-based doctors aren't really doing it. I mean, you know, some are, some are, but some really don't even participate at all.
1: Yeah, a chunk of my consulting clients are actually social media managers or marketing directors who have some hand in the social media. And a lot of times they're the one who's repping for the main person. So, you know, the main practitioner or doctor or leader of the company, you know, they're kind of going out into social media and sort of speaking for them in a lot of ways. And so a lot of times that's what we spend hours talking about, right? Is kind of that, you know, uh, how do you step in and be that representative? It's kind of funny because I feel like social media managers are kind of like the managers that rich and famous people have, right? So if I'm like JLo, I probably have a manager (laughs) that takes care of speaking for me and putting out statements and, you know, like kind of handling my image. And I feel like that's what social media managers are. So when you're doing it for yourself, it's like you have to figure out how to manage your own reputation because that's really what you're doing. And when you hire somebody, you have to be creating a situation where they can manage your reputation for you.
0: Yeah. So hopefully they like you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard. I've had to say no to clients in the past. Because I was like, you know, what you do, it's fine, but it's not something I'm really passionate about. And if I'm not really passionate about it, I'm not gonna be the best spokesperson for you, you know? So it's interesting how you gotta choose somebody who's gonna get excited about the work you do.
0: So, you know, it's interesting because there are people that maybe already have an assistant or somebody that they work with. And if they already know going in that this isn't for them, just have their assistant take the class and learn it. that's That's what I did, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I have tons of people who do that exact thing. You know, they've got somebody on staff that's already a good communicator. Maybe they're good at making graphics or they're a good writer and they're open to the idea of managing social media and they already have knowledge about what you do. So they're not coming in from the ground up and having to learn, right? There's somebody already in your network. So yeah, I think if you have somebody like that, I've had plenty of uh, clients and students where, you know, their own kids, (laughs) their own kids are in college and their kids are giving them a hand, you know, in just like learning the technology and managing the technology. But it's funny because I often remind them just because you feel like your kids are better at social media than you are. Doesn't mean you don't still have to guide them on the content. You know, they still need to know what to say. You know, they still need to know how to represent you, but sometimes it's people really close in. (laughs) I've definitely met husband, wife teams where one of them is kind of the social media person, the other one doesn't really like it, you know, so you can find people in your network that might be able to help you with it.
0: Definitely somebody that resonates with that. I remember a while back was probably 10 years ago, and I was doing a job in Sacramento. And I, this I didn't have an I only had an an iPhone for a couple of years. And so I didn't have a computer. So I needed to do something. and, And this friend of mine let me use his his iPad to, you know, to log in and check something. And I guess I forgot to log on. So he had access to my Facebook account. And as a joke, he started like posting pictures of meat and all these things. (laughs) So you got to really be careful who you give those passwords to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely had situations where I run so many different Facebooks, you know, that I come in in the morning and I log in and it auto logs me into somebody else's account. So I'm like always triple checking myself that I'm not posting the wrong thing to the wrong place.
0: That is hilarious. Maya says, this is a great topic. And she says, is there such a thing as having too many selfies and turning people off as a result, or does it depend on
1: your level of popularity? That's really interesting. Cause I feel like, you know, there's always a principle in social media where we're gonna say, you know, I'm always like, be careful of the me, 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 right? Be careful that every single post you're making isn't kind of a, look at me, look at me, look at me. Because in general, even in real life that gets a little bit redundant when people feel like they're on social media and they're not having a conversation, they're just talking at you about themselves. It's kind of the same as having them walk into a room and do that same thing to you. So I'm always thinking about how, you know, a third of the time be really promotional and focused on you. And the other two thirds of the time, try to focus on other people or things, or just, you know, uh, values and topics and stuff that's interesting. But I have also seen that depending on who you are and the type of relationship you have with your audience, you know, sometimes they're so loyal and what you're sharing with them is so valuable that they love to see that part of the social media where you're telling your story. So I think, you know, one of the things we'll talk about in the classes that we're going to teach is the tracking and the analytics that comes with each one of these platforms. And so I feel like the analytics is really helpful in understanding which pieces of content are doing really well. And you can learn from that and figure out like what, you know, what were the things that I talked about or the way that I talked about it, or maybe it was a video versus an image where I got a bigger response. And then how can I keep doing more of those things so that we increase our engagement? Um, I mean, I think that's really what we want to do is pay attention to the data, but it's funny because, you know, like I said, rule of thumb, don't be too overly focused on yourself all the time, but does that necessarily mean that selfies won't work? Like I said, not necessarily, because if people really love you and really value what you're doing, like I said, they want to see your story. They want to see you with your dog. They want to see you at the beach. They want to see you accomplishing your goals or, you know, just like being in the world and being a person because that's what makes them relate.
0: Yeah. So Jill says, can you talk a little bit about SEO?
1: Yeah, so SEO is actually my core competency. So when I met my business partner, Justin, um, who I started the school with, both of us, our backgrounds were in search engine optimization, which is what SEO stands for. So, I mean, if I could give everybody one takeaway about this, it's that SEO historically has been the art of getting your website higher on Google. And other search engines like bing or yahoo so it's really been what are all of the different variables that something like the google search engine uses to decide what shows up at the top so part of what i've done for the last 20 years is study that and really understand that technology which is a mixture of algorithms and artificial intelligence which are both pretty powerful forms of technology if you didn't know algorithms are actually ancient math So like ancient Greeks used them, Egyptians used them. What we did was stick algorithmic math inside of a computer brain. (laughs) And a computer brain can do like 10,000 times what the human brain can. So we really, you know, allowed ourselves to organize information in a different way. And now artificial intelligence is kind of running these systems. What's also interesting is that social media is also algorithmic technology and artificial intelligence. So search engines, SEO and social media, they're actually becoming closer and closer together and more and more similar from a technological standpoint. But I think the biggest thing that's changed about search engine optimization is that it used to be you could kind of hire an SEO professional and get them to SEO your website and then they would you know, hopefully get more customers for you. Um, It's become a much more complex world now. So to me, SEO is not a service. SEO is a strategy that actually involves a bunch of different services and especially public relations can be a very powerful part of SEO. I think social media plays a minor role in SEO. Website usability, which is whether or not your website is really built to convert people into customers is another part of SEO. So SEO used to be something you could hire somebody for. And now I think it's more of like an umbrella that includes like all these different strategies that come together. And at the end of the day, what SEO is really about is making Google think that your website is awesome. And That's really what you're trying to do is listen to them, understand how they define awesome which is with hundreds of different things and then doing as much as you can to try to meet those requirements. And you know, depending on the size of your business, what phase you're in, whether you're a startup or you've been around for a while, all those things are gonna basically, I think, control how much SEO you can do, what requirements you can meet. It's sort of a never-ending pathway where you're, you're always improving your website. You're always improving based on what Google's doing. You're paying attention to the technology and adapting your website to the technology. So a lot of SEO, you have to purchase you know, like a retainer with somebody, and they have to work on your website for months at a time, minimally six to 12 months is usually what it takes. So SEO is kind of a very different world because it's a long game. You don't get results as fast. I think social media sometimes, especially with advertising, you can hop in and get results more quickly using tools like that.
0: Nice. lyntha asks, how important is it to have a podcast or a blog and which is best?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, It's funny because podcasting and blogging are kind of, again, two different strategies. You can go and study um, blogging specifically, especially if you want to be a blogger. So if you want to be right, if you're a good writer, if you already have a lot of content, AJ and I have talked about, you know, if you're working on a book, um, a lot of times I've worked with people where they wrote blogs for three, five, six years. Then they took those blogs and they developed a book out of them, right? Because there was an audience of people who said, I don't want to have to click through your stuff. I'd like to just get the whole book of information and learn from it. So I think writers especially gravitate towards blogging can be a really strong strategy for your website. It's gonna build up a lot of the keyword content, which is one thing that can help with SEO. It's also something that you can merge with your email marketing. So a lot of the people I work with that are writing blogs regularly, they're taking that content and turning it into what their email newsletter kind of promotes to people. So there's like a link, right? The email newsletter goes out and it drives people back to the website to read the blogs on a variety of different topics. So it's great for just giving people a reason to come back to your website. Podcasting is a little different. I think it's a a bit more exciting for people that, especially kind of like that radio style of things. So some podcasts involve video like this where you can see the people. Other podcasts are really just audio and you're just listening to the person talk the same way that you would listen to your radio in the car. So. I feel like people who aren't writers tend to gravitate towards stuff like podcasting more because it's going to let them be more in the moment. Um, I do think, though, again, it's its own strategy. So you can study podcasting. There's different tools you can use to create your podcast. Um, Some people just post their podcast to YouTube, but other people are putting it out on iTunes. They're putting it out on Spotify. You know, they're doing all these other things where they know people are listening to podcasts. So they're just sort of two different veins. And I think it really comes down to, like I said, leveraging your skill. If you're a writer, you might feel more comfortable going in the blog direction. If you don't like writing and you'd prefer to be able to talk and interview people and share your stories and things like that, then I feel like podcasting is much more interesting. And, you know, again, it can be podcasting is connected to things like live streaming, connected to things like just video and audio. There's all different styles and cool things that you can explore.
0: Nice. And Jill has a question. Is there a specific type of client or market that Sarah specializes in?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. I haven't had too many specialties over the years because luckily I've just, in my speaking and teaching career, I've gotten the chance to interact with a ton of different industries. But there are some themes that I think are the things I'm most excited about. So I feel like I get a lot of clients in certain areas just because there are places where my passion lie. So one is in health and wellness and sort of everything related to that. I have been a huge um, proponent of holistic practitioners. Since I was in my, you know, like, since I was about 19, when I suffered my first back injury, um, I decided to go away from Western medicine and try something else, and it really worked. So I love to work with people um, like that. I've worked with naturopaths, I've worked with people in the yoga industry, I've worked with all sorts of forms of people in healthcare from doctors um, and, you know, family practices and hospitals and things like that, mostly because my corporate job was writing HIPAA manuals, if you can believe that one. So I wrote HIPAA manuals for a living in the early 2000s. And so I know a lot about the regulations in healthcare. And then a lot of my other clients fall into sort of that, like I said, tourism and travel area. I'm a big traveler. I've traveled a bunch around the world by myself. Um, I just love helping people connect with locals as well as tourists and strategizing around that. And then I would say the last group of people I work with is artists. So most of the artists I work with are like AJ. They don't like social media. Uh, They don't wanna be online. They wanna be in their studio painting or sculpting or doing something really amazing with their artwork. So I love those people because a lot of times I can help them get to a place where, like I said, either they can hire somebody or get them to a place where they're having more fun with their social media. So like right now I have a painter that I consult with regularly And I've really gotten him into using Instagram more and like opening up live streams while he's in his studio and sharing what he's working on. And that's been really awesome to watch him blossom. He doesn't want to do Facebook, but man, he's really good at Instagram. (laughs) So we're focusing on that.
0: Yeah, maybe you can teach a class. Making social media fun. Hira says, how do you get more followers, subscribers? Having good content is important, of course, but what are the other strategies? That's sort of like what the course is about right?
1: Yeah, definitely. No, I think in every class in this program, especially the three that are on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, we're going to talk about this because what you're talking about is engagement, right? Like it's great if our content is up there and it looks wonderful and it's interesting and it's valuable content, but if nobody hearts or likes or comments or shares or whatever it is, it's just kind of going into a black hole (laughs) of nothing. So that's like the biggest thing that we're all trying to avoid is we don't wanna end up the bottom of the news feeds just like posting into a a black hole. So I feel like really what we're gonna talk about is those engagement strategies. And I think there's a mixture of things that we could talk about you know, in regard to that, there's kind of so many different things, depending on which platform, that are going to affect how we approach the engagement. But if there's key things that you can take away today, I would say one is conversation is the number one thing that generates more, you know, uh, exposure in the newsfeed. So that's usually what we refer to as reach or impressions. Um, Reacher impressions are increased when people start talking about your content. So one of the things we should always focus on is not just that we want people to comment, but even better than that is when people comment on your post and then other people comment to them and they start a conversation. So it's weird, like comments are great, but comments on comments are even better. (laughs) And that's because we've really identified that when something makes people talk back and forth, all the algorithms think that content is more valuable. So I'm always telling people, think from a conversational perspective. Don't be too formal and stuffy in your language. You want whatever you're posting to give people that desire to respond because that's like gold in social media world. No matter what platform you're on, commenting and people talking back and forth is amazing. That's why you should respond to everybody you can if you are wanting to see your engagement go up responding to comments is really, really important because that's, again, it's triggering the algorithm. Um, The other thing I think that's really important for engagement is just being experimental. So if you're feeling like, you know, like I had a student this past week who said, look, our engagement's been going down for the last few months. I'm feeling stuck. I don't know how to get people to respond more. You know, immediately I started talking to her about, okay, let's look at the content you've been doing over the last few months. And let's think about what we could do different, right? Like maybe you haven't done any video content in the last couple of weeks. Maybe you haven't been doing a mixture of things and it's just sort of getting, you know, people are scrolling by it. It's not standing out. Sometimes even like to just sort of shift the whole, like if we're doing graphics, I'll just shift the whole color scheme all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, we've been using a lot of our purple and orange. Like I'm going to pop up a black and white photo today and see what happens if we completely change the visual because sometimes that'll make you pop right out of the newsfeed, and people will engage more so i think it's about like having that experimental piece like being willing to watch things on a weekly basis and being able to try new things out so a lot of times i'm encouraging people to try live streaming i'm encouraging them to try stories i'm encouraging them to do more recorded videos i'm encouraging them to make more slideshows you know these kind of things. It'll be different than maybe just what you've been posting.
0: When you say it's good to respond to people because it triggers the algorithms, do you mean on all the platforms—Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube?
1: Yes, it's valuable on every platform. Although I will say it is very valuable on Facebook. So I had the pleasure, if you can believe it, to get hired by an artist out of London and his uh, partner, his his marketing guy. Um, essentially is an employee of Facebook. So I was basically hired to consult with them and had meetings with them regularly the last few months. But he is literally a Facebook employee. So this is something that him and I talked about a lot and pow out about. And I really appreciated him giving me the insider tips around Facebook. So I will say that for them, comments on comments and conversation, that is like the primo top thing that they pay attention to 100%. I think Instagram, Twitter, you know, things like Snapchat, tiktok they all have that same principle and it's an important principle. Um, you know, I think there's lots of other variables involved. So like Twitter and Instagram are also more um, related to actually the time. So things are a little bit more in chronological order sometimes in those algorithms than on Facebook. Um, but definitely for Facebook, especially for all of you doing that, it's like that back and forth is so valuable. Mark Zuckerberg said, in 2018, in January of 2018, Mark Zuckerberg made an announcement and he said, we are gonna prioritize in our algorithm, anything that we think sparks meaningful conversations. And so that was like the three keywords: sparks meaningful conversations, that's what we want at the top of the feeds. So that's why I think conversation matters so much on that platform.
0: So meaningful then, so if somebody says a comment and you just go, thanks, that's not gonna spark the algorithm
1: it's funny so here's where we get into the fact that the algorithm's smart enough to know the difference you know it does know the difference between somebody saying hey we're so glad to see you and you're like thanks and a heart <laughs> right they they kind of know the difference between that and if you had you know something going on where the person said this is such an interesting topic i'd also like to know this and then somebody else watching you know or looking at the content hopped in and said hey here's a great resource about that and shared a link and then somebody else hopped in so the artificial intelligence is smart enough to know that those things are different types of conversation with different levels of investment and so yes the longer the comments the more they involve questions the more they involve links the more they involve different types of back and forth The more important and more valuable they're going to be for sure, but I still think every response is good. So I often tell people I know it's hard once you're growing to answer every comment that gets placed on your channels. But try to scan through them when you can try to respond to the things that are longer and more involved first. So there's a little bit of prioritization. Um, and when you have time, I respond to everybody that I can on every channel as often as possible. Sometimes it takes me a couple days to get around to it. Um, but I really do try to do that because when people comment, it's one of the biggest things they could have done to help you. And you don't want them to not do it next week or the week after or the week after. So even if I'm just responding in emojis, <laughs> I want people to know, I saw you, you took the time to type with your thumbs and tell me something, I wanna recognize it because that's them doing me a favor, helping me get seen by more people.
0: So maybe even bad comments are better than no comments?
1: I mean, in some respects, it's kind of that age old principle. you know, it, all attention is good attention, right? <laughs> there's, there's some no sort such, of perspective, no such thing. especially on fame, all attention is good attention. They're I mean, that. certainly we want to avoid just crazy people making no sense. I think we'd all like to avoid those people, but I'm willing to, you know, debate. I'm willing to have people question my opinions. Um, in my line of work, there's lots of different opinions. I don't assume I'm right. So I love it when even my students have a different opinion. And they're willing to hop in and say, "Well, I I prefer to do it like this," or "I think that tool sucks." <laughs> you oh, know, no. I, I like I like having that back and forth because I know it's beneficial. Um, and as long as I think it's productive, that's really the 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 thing you're looking for. It has to be useful to people, valuable or entertaining. Um, you don't want it to just be crazy. But yeah, other than that, I think all conversations up for grabs.
0: Like they say, there's no such thing as bad publicity, I guess.
1: Exactly.
0: Uh, Thomas from California Balsamic is watching and he, he is the sponsor of the show. And we, oh, we awesome. you well, you'll be getting two free bottles of California Balsamic vinegar just for oh, being the guest that. today. But I would love to help him with his social media because he has such a great product, but he's not, may, but he's male. So he, can males take this class?
1: I mean, I think you and I talked about how we have a bigger draw to, You know, women in general, definitely a lot of my students are women. Um, I am a woman in business, so I'm very knit into that world. Um, And so we did angle the class that way. I don't think when we're in the class that it's necessarily going to be something that men can't use. I think men can totally use it. Um, And I think there's definitely still a lot of men out there that um, are still working on that connection piece. right? Um, and putting themselves out there. So I think if you're a man and you are interested in figuring out how you can really put yourself out there in social media, this class is going to be very helpful to anyone who's interested in that. So for instance, I have a gentleman I've worked with in the past. He's like a life coach. And one of the things he kept telling me was, well, Sarah, you know, it's not about me. I don't want to talk about myself. I just want it to be about the clients. And I said to him, I said, but the only reason people are going to pick you is because they know something about you, and they relate to it. So I need you to get comfortable putting yourself out there. We can't keep just talking about, you know, different tips and tricks. That stuff is helpful, but there's tons of business coaches. So somebody's going to choose you because your personal story resonates with their personal story. That's how I picked my business coach. So you know, I think even men are still trying to figure out how to use these tools and get comfortable. And so I definitely would invite any any man who's interested in that to join us for sure.
0: No, Thomas, you hear that if you're still here? So I don't know what this is, but Apple says, could Sarah talk about shadow banning and how to get out of it when it
1: happens? I don't even know what that is. Um, yeah, sure. Can you give me any more details on exactly what the situation is? I'm curious if you can chat in and talk a little bit just about like, is it with a certain platform or, you know, is there like a particular situation that you're referring to? Because a lot of that stuff you end up having to, you know, kind of look at the individual situation and really understand it. so yeah, I don't know if she's able okay. to respond Apple, to if you're
0: still here, maybe you could give us some additional information. And Stephanie says, as time changes and new social media platforms are being created, do you see the current ones now evolving or going by the wayside and becoming the dinosaurs of social media?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, honestly, You know, like I said, I think there's a bigger discussion about whether or not some of the social media platforms, and we'll include Google in this conversation because they're also on the chopping block and we'll include Amazon because Amazon and Google and Facebook especially have been questioned at whether or not they are a monopoly and need to be broken up a little bit in the way that they're working. But that aside, which I think is still, the jury's out on that as we develop our cultural understanding of these tools and of just, you know, corporate digital companies uh, in general. But I think what we're really going to see if I'm, you know, correct is no, I don't think we're going to see Facebook go by the wayside anytime soon or, uh, Twitter, especially, I don't see that happening with Pinterest. I don't see it happening with LinkedIn, um, even Snapchat, which, you know, has had the chance to sell numerous times. Um, same with Instagram. These type of sites, I think, have, and I will especially highlight Facebook as a big leader here. Um, I think a lot of these sites have established themselves very particular uses. Um, for people. They have very clear roles. I think we're going to see them adapt and adapt and adapt. I don't see them ending up by the wayside. So we learned from things like MySpace, right? We learned from these other sites. So when I early 2000s, I was using, I don't know if anybody will remember this, but I was using Dig. I was using Delicious, I was using StumbleUpon, I was using MySpace, I was using Friendster, right? So a lot of those things have now gone to the wayside. Google Plus gone to the wayside. (laughs) Um, I think the companies are now much smarter. They're much smarter. They're not gonna let that happen anymore. Um, And Facebook, like I said, is the prime example of this. They are going through a ton of crises. People hate Facebook all the time and then we use it anyway. So, it's funny, but they've established themselves as like a tool that it's hard to give up. And they did that on purpose. And they own Instagram. And they're doing the same thing with Instagram. So, you know, they're, it's funny, these systems are created to addict us to them. That's why on one level, AJ, they are terrifying because they are made to keep us scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. <laughs> so-
0: and maybe that's why I don't like to do it because I already have an addictive personality. So yes. I just, I just, you know, Dr. My psychologist, Dr. Law doesn't want me on these platforms at all. So, I mean, and if I am going to be on my phone, I would much rather like do something like play a game, like words with friends than just to engage with people. Cause I'm engaging with people all day. It's like, I don't want to do that in my spare time, you know? Yeah. It's weird.
1: Can we get a response weird. about the shadow banning?
0: She said Instagram. and I don't okay. even know what shadow banning is. It sounds like yeah. a song.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to explain this a little bit because like I said, it's a, it plays out a little differently depending on which platform we're talking about. So shadow banning, which I think is also referred to as like stealth banning, um, is really about, you know, on different platforms, you have different options for blocking people right? Or partially blocking people from conversation. So again, a good example on Facebook is when I'm in my newsfeed on my laptop, especially, I can usually highlight people and like remove them or hide them. I don't usually have to unfriend them, but I can say, I want f- to, you know, remove this person for 30 days. I want to snooze them. Um, I don't want to see their stuff in my feed. So a lot of times we all have that one crazy family member where we're like bye bye now like we're still connected but i don't want to see you in here um and so shadow banning kind of covers all the different ways in which you can you know sort of block people from the conversation or remove their comments from something um and it's funny because i'm assuming what you're talking about is that if you are shadow banned, trying to deal with it So correct me if I'm misunderstanding your question. Um, I think it's hard because once somebody has clicked, so like if you are in a group on Facebook or you're following somebody on Instagram or you're engaging with an account somewhere, even on some of the other sites, if you have said things or done things that have caused somebody to block you or partially block you, there's really very little you can do. Um, At that point, it sort of like triggers the system Um, And what's happened is somebody has said that they don't like your content for some reason. Um, And this happens in a lot of different situations. So it could be a situation where you're commenting on something, you're debating with people, somebody gets upset, they kind of block you from their personal view, although you might still be a part of the same group. Um, Sometimes we have situations where people, you know, block a person or a company out of their feed because you've been posting too much, or whatever you've been posting is something they don't like. So it's sort of like they have a bunch of options besides just unfollowing you, right? Um, And so if you're in the position where somebody does that to you or you're a brand, especially where somebody does that to your content, it's really hard because at that point you're at the mercy of the system. You can't really fix it. You can't really um, undo. Uh, be, that situation because the person who's following the person who's looking at the content they get to control what they see at all times so me as the user of Facebook or Instagram I can remove anything I want from my view at any point point. Um, and the other thing I think for brands we have to be careful of is so if some of your followers or some of the people that are you know seeing your content start to remove you from their feed for some reason and kind of report you Um, that can create a problem for how much you're being seen in the feeds. And it has a lot to do with who is actually reporting that stuff or, or, you know, kind of removing you from their system, how many people do it. There's a lot of different variations there. So I don't know if that fully answers the question, because like I said, I'd need a little more detail on like, you know, are you trying to get rid of people? Are they trying to get rid of you? Have they gotten rid of you and you're trying to get back in their view? Um, Because I feel like shadow banning covers this big sort of a large um, piece of things. And it's also like a, it's a very questionable, um, like I said, it's a lot of it is built into the platforms, right? So like some platforms have things where if you're using certain language, it gets flagged, um, you know, and different platforms have different rules about different things. And actually, because it's an election year, we're even seeing that like change all the time. Right? So even just this year, Facebook's made a ton of changes about what you should be saying and doing, what they're flagging. Twitter has been making a lot of changes this year. The election is stirring up a lot of stuff. So that's been an interesting thing to watch. You know.
0: Cool. Kathy wants to know, can I make money off my Facebook page?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I worked all summer with a consulting client that's an e-commerce business here in North Carolina, where I live. And even despite everything going on this year, uh, you know, which no business has had an easy time in 2020, um, we did great on their ad campaigns this summer. You know, We had to experiment for a month, a month and a half, play around with some things, come up with some fresh ideas. But by the time we were done, their Facebook ad campaigns were generating profit. So the last thing I had reported to them on, I had spent like $137 and we had made 700 and some dollars. So we have made a profit of 500 bucks off that one campaign. So advertising, obviously, I think is a huge deal. If we're talking about organic Facebook, which means you're just running your Facebook page and you know, you're you engaging people, I think it really comes down to the strategy of making sure you've incorporated your website as much as possible into your Facebook page. So you know, throughout the week, are you sharing links to your website? Does your website have fresh content on it that would make people wanna go there? Um, it's really having that holistic view because Facebook is just one part of the customer journey, right? So most of us who are running a business, even if we're small, we might have like a website or a blog, a Facebook and an email list, you know, or we might just have, I live in rural, rural North Carolina. So some people just have an email list and Facebook. That's it. They haven't even built their website yet. Um, But I think to me, it's really most customers are going to engage with you in a few different ways. They might call you, they might check out your Facebook, they might go to your website. And so I always wanna make sure Facebook is like giving people the options they need so that I can make sales. So you know, if you can make sales by talking to people, make sure you're using Facebook Messenger. If you can make sales by having a call to action button on your Facebook and linking them to where they can donate or where they can buy your book or where they can sign up for your packages, do that. When you're posting, incorporate some of those calls to action into your posting on Facebook. So it's really about thinking about when we traditionally we call it the sales funnel, right? Um, So the sales funnel really just says when people are on Facebook, if we want to close them as a customer, if we want to get them to take an action, we have to think about that flow. So for instance, when people are on Facebook and they click over to your website, if your website is loading too slow and they're not able to find what they need really fast, you're going to lose them. So that's why we have to have that holistic view because if they're on Facebook, they're scrolling through it, it's fast, it's easy. They click on your post, all of a sudden your website takes like 10 seconds to load. It's a problem. You're gonna lose most of those people even though they clicked through, it didn't happen fast enough for them to actually sign up for what you wanted them to sign up for. So we're always thinking about that journey that the customer's on to make sure when they're tapping us, we can what we call convert them, right? We can get them to do something sign up, register, buy now, whatever it is. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Gwen says, do you have book suggestions? And I don't know if she means like to write or to read. If you want to read a book, I recommend this one, but maybe (laughs) she means. (laughs) Awesome. I would
1: say, yeah, I'm assuming again that you're talking about marketing books. It's funny. So social media books are usually old by the time they're printed. (laughs) So I don't recommend a ton of social media books. I'm kind of against it, really, uh, in a general sense, because I feel like a lot of them, by the time they're edited, printed and on the shelves, if they gave you anything tactical, some of those tactics might be dead in the water already because the site has already evolved. But there is one person whose books I love. And this is a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. And um, I will give him a shout out because we are the same age. And we're both from New Jersey, and we're both pretty extroverted in a lot of ways. I really love his style. He's a straight shooter. He talks fast. Um, and he curses, so get ready for that. Um, but he's a really smart guy. He owns the biggest social media company in the United States, pretty much, called Vayner Media. And he wrote my favorite book that I think is an easy read. Um, he wrote a book called Jab, 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 Right Hook. And it's about his like sort of foundational social media principle, which is actually give, 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 ask. So it's sort of a play on words, right? The jab, 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 right hook. He's saying that's give, 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 ask. So. You know, three quarters of the time, you're giving information, you're connecting with people, you're really being useful and valuable and entertaining to them. And then once you've built that relationship, the other 25% of the time, you're going to ask them to do something, support you, buy your stuff, sign up for your stuff, get involved, attend your event, take your class, whatever it is. So I love that book because I think the foundational principles inside of there are really strong. Um, and he's written a number of other books that I think are worth reading, not only because he's a social media professional, but because he is a wildly successful entrepreneur. He started out taking his father's wine business in New Jersey from like, I think, a three million dollar um, business a year to like a 60 million dollar business every year. So that's how he got famous is actually with this family business, Um, and he was an immigrant to the United States, just a super great guy, really heartfelt, and so all of his books, I think, if you just looked up Gary Vaynerchuk, you'll see he's written some amazing stuff, but as far as social media is concerned, he's definitely my go-to for reading personally, because I feel like his principles are like evergreen. Everything he's taught in those books are going to be around for a long time. His business ideas are really solid. Um, And I think any social media books that you read, you just want to keep in mind, again, if they're giving you details about Instagram or details about Facebook, especially in 2020, if it was written last year, that stuff is probably already old news. (laughs) So you got to be able to filter that stuff out and not be doing something that can't be done anymore, you know? Right.
0: Well, Queen of Aries says, Sarah is so smart. She definitely has the knowledge to back up what she teaches. She's a great teacher. I'm oh. telling you. And Sherry says, does blocking people negatively influence the algorithms? How to deal with those particular
1: people? So the question I just want to um, repeat is, is blocking people negative to the algorithm, right? Is that the question? Yeah. So yeah, so it's funny. So blocking people is really only negative to them. <laughs> it's not going to hurt you um so again when people are not productive when they're angry when they're just going off and they're irrational i think we all know that's just not productive for anyone right sometimes we can at first start try to answer them be like hey i'm sorry you're mad let's talk about what's going on and you can try to talk them off a ledge if that works great i'm a big fan of that Um, Bringing people back around can sometimes dissipate the drama. And a lot of times people who are upset about something that you've said or posted, they just wanna know that you're listening. They just wanna know that somebody will acknowledge that they have a different opinion. Um, So I think, you know, sometimes you can approach those people but if they're really, really far out and again, they're disrupting the conversation, then to me it's appropriate to actually remove them. So I've removed a few people this year. Again, the election has stirred up some things on social media so there's been a few times with clients where i've had to say you know this person is really kind of just making it hard for the conversation to happen we've tried to talk to them we should just kind of remove them so what that's going to do is sort of hurt them in the algorithm and their content whether it's personal or business it shouldn't actually hurt you in any way um and again it's crazy but like the algorithms the ai especially the artificial intelligence it really does have a system for understanding what is somebody being spammy? What is somebody being aggressive or hateful versus people that are just dissatisfied (laughs) or unhappy? Um, I do think the AI knows the difference between those things in a lot of ways, right? So yeah, so you don't have to worry about that too much. It's more, I think just the mental stress of trying to deal with those people. And I always try to talk them down if I can at first you know? And then if it's not going to happen, I'm like, bye-bye now.
0: (laughs) You're much more patient than me. I'll tell you. (laughs) So here's a
1: I am from Jersey. I've had to, I've had to cultivate the patience. (laughs) You're a Libra. Yes.
0: Uh, Like to see both sides. Nancy says, do you feel TikTok is effective for business or will be more in the future?
1: Yes, yes, I definitely do. I think it does depend on what type of business you're in and what your brand is. And, you know, I mean, AJ made a great point earlier. If I'm a really well-known, like if I'm an internationally known heart doctor and, you know, I'm building a following online of people who respect my work, I'm not so sure you need to spend your time on TikTok, okay? Like there's going to be other platforms that I think will be better suited for those topics, that would connect you with people that are really the people you're trying to connect with as a, you know, world-renowned heart doctor. Um, but I think there's a lot of us that, you know, aren't uh, in these more regulated industries. So again, I often think of healthcare, legal, anything to do with government, anything to do with financial industries. Those are the type of industries that are more regulated, and so I think those type of industries, it's harder to use something like TikTok because it's very laid back and it's super creative and it's a lot of video and a lot of dancing and a lot of talking and a lot of being yourself, (laughs) right? And telling stories. So I feel like, you know, there are some industries that are just naturally not gonna gravitate towards that. But I think in general TikTok, what is really strong about it is the storytelling piece. So what most people know about TikTok is like dance challenges, right? We're all used to all these people now doing dance challenges and videoing themselves. But here's some interesting things about TikTok that you maybe don't know. One, I've worked with a lot of environmental groups and therefore a lot of indigenous groups, right? A lot of tribal nations and things like that. I have a big passion around helping um, different tribal nations accomplish different goals. And so here in North Carolina, we've been lucky enough to work with the Eastern Band of Cherokee for a long time, my business partner and I, and I deeply love um, their space out in the Western part of our state. And so If you were on TikTok and you were looking for those type of topics, what you would find is there's a bunch of amazing indigenous native people talking about all sorts of environmental subjects and educating people about their culture and talking about different projects that they're working on. There's a huge amount of that on TikTok. It's beautiful. It's a great place to learn about things like that if you don't know. So if somebody's working in a field where you're trying to connect in on subjects related to that, I think TikTok has a lot of value. You know, if you're a fashion designer, TikTok has a lot of value. If you're into cooking, TikTok definitely has a lot of value because it's an experiential world. It's where you're gonna do something on camera and bring other people into it. So if that's part of what you wanna do and you, you know, feel like you'd like to uh, connect with people through more of a video format, then I feel like TikTok is wonderful. And they've actually even now been launching new, um, advertising stuff for their ad platform. So they are now putting ads on the system. There's a lot of opportunities for business there. And like I said, in 2020, a bunch of younger people, teenagers and college kids got sent home to live with their parents and their grandparents. And you know what happened? Their grandparents and their parents started hanging out on TikTok. So TikTok went from like exclusively teenagers to everybody in like six months. It's really amazing. It, it seems really, like really, once really old
0: works. people like us start using it, the kids don't want it anymore. So it's this is never going to stop.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. So far, the young people have stayed on TikTok. So I think there's one interesting thing about TikTok's algorithm. Once you get on there and you start watching stuff, their algorithm really refines your feed to be stuff that you're interested in so a lot of times like i never see things in my tiktok that i are not things i'm interested in it's like a really strong algorithm so i would say that a lot of those younger people if they're interacting with their friends and stuff their feed is all their friends it's everything they want to see um the key is i think once people's parents start really interacting because that's what happened with facebook right Younger people were on Facebook, but then everybody's mom and dad was on there. And then a whole bunch of younger people were like, I don't want my mom and dad to see what I'm doing. (laughs) So they moved to Snapchat, they moved to Instagram, you know, TikTok hasn't gotten there yet. So I still feel like there's a lot of cool interaction. Um, Kids start leaving when their mom starts policing them.
0: (laughs) Wow. I have never seen a TikTok video. I guess I got it. Get up with the time. So you want to talk a little bit about the class and who should take it? And because Jill's saying, do you do consults? And you do. But for the price of the class, she I think a person would learn a lot. Not that you know what I mean. You need yeah, a lot more absolutely. consults to learn what you would do in, a,
1: yeah, in, the, in the class. Yeah. So what AJ and I put together, because, you know, I just want to give you a shout out back from the beginning. I loved our class together in June. It was super fun. I learned as much as I taught. And the group of people that came together, you know, are mostly people that you know, AJ. So anyway, I just wanna say like, you know a lot of cool people because I feel like I made a lot of friends uh, in that class, even though I was teaching it. So, you know, I think with these classes, we're really moving into kind of just getting better at marketing, getting better at putting ourselves out there. I'm a big fan of saying, let's get rid of the word marketing and let's just start talking about how we're gonna share our passion through the internet. Let's just talk about how we're gonna tell other people what matters and share things that have changed our lives with them. Because I think a lot of us, that's what we're motivated about. So at the core, especially the first class about branding, we're not really gonna talk about logos and stuff like that. We're gonna talk about you figuring out who you are because social media becomes a lot more fun when you know who you really are and who you're trying to represent yourself to be in the world and you feel confident and excited about it. When that passion comes through, you're going to be way more effective. So we're going to start there. And then the other three classes, we're going to do deeper dives into YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And I chose those because really, at the end of the day, most people are using them. Um, They are definitely three of the most popular sites that are out there right now. They have the highest number of users. Um, The three of those together span quite a large number of age groups and types of people and things like that. So we're going to do deep dives where we understand a little bit more about the algorithms, a little bit more about engagement, how to increase engagement and create it. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the tracking that comes with each of those systems as well. And then I know AJ is going to jump in and just share some of her experiences experience and working on the platforms that she's done. We're going to have a few guests to join us, talk about their experiences, and we're going to have a lot of time for Q&A and for just creating ideas so that hopefully when you get done each class, you walk away feeling excited about doing something that week, maybe, <laughs> right? Trying something out, sharing something, putting yourself out there. So that's really, I think, the ultimate goal. And a lot of this, I think, comes from my inspiration for sure and coming to AJ about doing this was that when we were in our class in June, I was so impressed with everyone. I was so impressed at how heartfelt everybody was. I was so impressed that you know, a lot of the work people are doing is really to make the world a better place, to help people live healthier lives, to help them feel more fulfilled, all of that stuff. And I think now more than ever in 2020, we need that stuff, right? Like,
0: I just can't believe that she got a book of this size out within two months of taking the class. I'm not taking amazing. credit for it because she, you know, she had to do it. But if anything that we could have contributed to help her get this book out faster, I'm just so proud of her.
1: Yeah, no, it's, I was really impressed with all that. And, you know, I think, like I said, I wasn't trying to exclude men. So if there's men on here, you are welcome. But um, I think this year I've just talked to so many women that want to up their game. You know, they're realizing they want to get more attention. They have so we, we can call the class up yours. Yeah, there you go, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I kind of feel like that's what it is because in some ways you and I know part of what we wanted to talk to people about when it comes to empowering yourself is being able to be yourself and knowing that that's part of winning, right? You don't have to compare yourself to other people. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to look perfect. You don't have to do all that stuff. You have to really just figure out from an authentic place what is it that you're bringing to the table? Why is it valuable, and who's it valuable for? And then you have to just get into the tools and start using them. Um, and the more that you understand them, the more your confidence goes up. And I just feel like there are so many people right now that have so much knowledge and wisdom and and beautiful things, um, skills ideas, thoughts, words, songs, whatever it is. So many people out there that have stuff that will inspire people, move them. Like I said, make them healthier, make them feel more fulfilled, make them feel like other people understand where they're coming from. The more that we can contribute that stuff. This is where for me, I've always used a hashtag called hashtag make the internet a better place. And I say that all the time because I think the internet, you know, it's like a sea of garbage. And there's some like beautiful diamonds mixed in just like humanity (laughs) in general, you know there's like a sea of stuff out there. There's a sea of noise, there's a sea of junk. Um, And if we're all gonna be on the internet, my goal is, hey, let's make the internet a better place. Let's contribute stuff that's really valuable. Let's have a good time, let's be authentic. So that's really the ultimate goal of all this. And like I said, I'm so glad AJ that you wanted to collaborate again because you are one of the funniest, most realest people I've ever met.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, and I,
1: I feel like you and I share that and I'm excited to inspire other people to go that direction.
0: And I'm excited because even though I don't want to do my own social media, I'm st- even though I'm going to be in the class, I'm going to hear what you have to say. And I know I'm going to learn something because I picked up, like I said, that little button you told me about so many tidbits last time that I could implement. And how long will people have access to the course? If they get it.
1: Yeah. So the course of this one, we should, it's so funny. The last course we did, we have it in our online um, classroom um, and on Vimeo and stuff like that. So I'm working out a system now where you should have pretty much indefinite access to the system um, to look at the videos. So if you can attend the live classes, I do think the live classes are gonna be really worthwhile. We will send you the recordings if you can't make them, but if you can come live, that would be great. because I think there's just a lot of value in that interaction. And then afterwards, I will definitely make them available permanently. So we'll probably have them streaming. And then if you wanna like save them and download them, I'm gonna give you a way to save them to your computer so you can watch them into the future.
0: Nice. Well, thank you so much. I can't look forward to the class with you, and it is starting um, in. It's starting next Thursday. So if you guys are interested, check out the link that I've been posting. And if they have, if you have any questions, I'm sure one of us would be happy to answer it. Even not right now, but. You know, before the class starts and many questions will definitely answer during the class. We're doing it on four times because the last class took, took a whole month yeah. and we did and we did 12 sessions so this one is just going to be four consecu- not consecutive but almost consecutive sessions so you, you yeah. won't have to be there for a whole month.
1: Yeah exactly we figured this way we'll do a little bit deeper dives on each subject And we'll have plenty of time for questions too. So if you're already using Facebook or YouTube or things like that, we'll have a time to feedback and and get some help. And then I'll be available by email throughout the class as usual. So especially if you take the bundle, you're gonna have the opportunity to interact with me over the entire month and ask questions whenever you need to. So we'll easily create a system for that.
0: Great, well, thanks so much. And I look forward to seeing you next week in the class. I look forward to seeing anyone here. Will you two ever do? Oh, this is an interesting question from Angela. I know that I won't, Angela, because this is—I'm not tech savvy at all. But Angela asking, will you ever do a web page development class?
1: Um, so that's an interesting question as well. I do teach that sometimes, actually, here at the community college in Asheville, I teach a class on WordPress. Um, I don't really teach that online, simply because it really depends on the platform. So. You know, building a web page, which actually I don't even think is a thing. It's really building a website, you know, building it on Squarespace or WordPress or things like that. It's just so different and it's really subjective what you prefer. So some people love WordPress, people hate it. Some people love Squarespace, some people hate it. Some people love Wix, some people hate it. It's just like, it's very subjective. So I don't usually teach web design in much depth outside of WordPress. Um, you know, and so that's something feel free. If you want my email is Sarah with an H at JV group, LLC.com. Um, you can email me directly, but I'm glad to send you some, uh, resources. If you have an idea of what kind of platform you want to use. The other reason I don't teach a lot of classes on that is because like Squarespace, there's a bunch of things out there that you can already do to learn how to build a website that way. WordPress, same thing. There's a bunch of different ways to learn WordPress. So I'm glad to share any resources I have about how to build your own website. If you're interested, just feel free to email me or find me on Facebook, Sarah Deborah Benoit. Same on Instagram, same on LinkedIn, um, same on Twitter. It's usually Sarah Deborah or Sarah D Benoit. Um, and so look me up um, or like I said, email me. I'm glad to share some of that with you.
0: Great. Thanks so much. And thanks everyone for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow when we will be having Rowdy Girl of Rowdy Girl Sanctuary. It's a fabulous story of of her transformation. And then Sunday, we have a double header with a doctor from Hawaii who's a surgeon, Ermini Van Dyken. And then we have the author of this book, Jocelyn Grafe, who is going to be doing some recipes. Thanks again, Sarah, and I'll see you in class.
1: Thank you all so much. Have a great